What I want to do this morning, my sermon, very simply is this. And before I even share what that is, I just would ask you, whatever your view may be on what I'm going to be preaching about today, at least hear me out, okay? You don't even have to agree with everything I say, but the things I'll show you in the Bible, and you say, well, I don't agree with that, that's going to be between you and God. So if it's in the Bible, I think you'll pay more attention to it. It doesn't matter what I say, it matters what God says. I want us this morning to see God's view of homosexuality, to see what God sees with His eyes, and the way we do that is we go to His Word, because His Word teaches us, tells us how He sees things. So that's going to be our subject this morning. Now, before I get into that, I must say a word or two about the Bible itself. Here's what I know. The overwhelming majority in this room right now believe in the authority of Scripture. By that I mean you believe that the Bible, you have a Bible, you believe the Bible, your Bible, is the Word of God. The Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So when the Bible speaks, God speaks. So I know before I even preach a sermon that everybody in this room, overwhelmingly so, believes in the authority of the Scripture, the authority of the Bible. Now, here's the second thing I know. Outside of this room, out in the world where we live, around the people that we go every day, the majority of people do not believe in the authority of the Bible. They really do not. You know, they say things like, well... Well, some just first reject it. They just say, you know, I think it's a good book, teaches some good things, but there are other good books. I don't think this book has any more to do with God than anybody else. There's a great number of people that just has absolutely no respect for the authority of the Bible. I understand that. Now, there are many, many others, many, many others that say, you know, I believe the Bible, it was written long ago. It had something to do with the way people were then, their customs, the words back then, they don't mean the same thing as the words do today. And what they do, they just kind of rationalize the way of Scripture. Now, when they do that, the downside of that is, is, is they face different issues in life, whatever those issues may be, they're going to have to do something. And so what they do, they speculate, they theorize, they come up with hypotheses, you know, maybe, the, you know, in, in the educational world, this is a big deal. And they, they just, many of them just do not believe in the authority of the Bible, and so they, they go at it from a very different kind of way. Now, you know, where they run into problems with that is when they're dealing with issues and they, and they don't take the Bible as being authoritative, uh, they, they, they just kind of have a roadblock. For example, people ask this question as it relates to homosexuality. Listen carefully. Is a person born gay? I have people ask me that. I had people this past week by in person and emails. I hope you're going to deal with the thing Sunday. Some said, I, one said, I believe people are born gay. Well, now, you know, what is, what is the answer to that? Are people born gay? 
Well, my answer to that is I understand Scripture. The answer is no, N-O. And I want to show you why I believe that. Turn with me in Romans chapter 1. I mean, you, you may disagree, that's okay, but at least look at what God says. In Romans chapter number 1, there are two verses that really help us at that point. Romans chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. The Bible says, For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchange a natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error. So, you know, my answer to that is like, is a person born gay? No, is my answer based on Scripture because it goes against nature. But... Let's do this. Let's just play like. Do you ever like to play like? Let's play like that we believe that people are born gay. Now, we're going to think about that. We're just going to put it to the test. And, uh, you know, we're going to look at it from a, different, from a different deal. Now, let me ask you this. Would a person with a bad temper, maybe some of you have a bad temper, a person that lies, doesn't tell the truth, person has a tendency to steal, would, would, would they say, I was just born this way, therefore it's okay to act this way. I was just born, I came into the world with a bad temper. I came into the world not telling the truth. I came into the world stealing, I had the nature to steal things. So if, if I came into the world with that tendency, then I'm just okay to act on it. Now you no rational person would agree with any of that. They'd say, well, no, that's not right. People, they, they have no right to tell lies. They have no right to steal. They, they have no right to have a bad temper. We, we, would, we would disagree with that. Let's say it this way. Suppose a person says, I'll tell you what. I just came into the world. I have a tendency. I have a heavy foot. And when I get in my vehicle, because I have a heavy foot, I was born this way. I put my foot on the accelerator, and my car just flies down Fairmont. And the police officer stops you, says, do you realize you're going such and such a speed? You say, look, you don't understand. I was born this way. I have a heavy, heavy foot, and when I get in, that's just what happens. Now, let me ask you this. How do you think that would go over the judge the next day? No. Now, folks, listen to me. One day, all of us are going to stand before the judge, and that judge is God. And when we do, and we say, God, you know, I just had a tendency to have a bad temper. I have a tendency to have anger. I had a tendency to steal, a tendency to lie. This is a whole deal. I'm telling you, that's not the way it is. Now, this, this is why... Knowing one day we're going to stand before God. And see, we all have a sinful nature. Bad temper may not be your deal. Telling lies may not be your deal. Hopefully stealing is not your deal. But all of us are sinners. Could I have an amen to that? We come into the world with a sin nature. And that's why we need to be born again. 
And that's where we pick up in our scripture today. So I want you to look with me, if you will, turn in your Bible to the book of 1 Corinthians. If you don't have a Bible with you, there'll be one in the pew rack there in front of you. And you're welcome to take it and use it. And uh, then if you don't mind, put it back in the pew rack when you leave. Don't steal our Bible. But if you need a Bible, I'll give you another Bible, okay? Uh, and it won't have First Baptist Church printed on it. But look with me in First Corinthians chapter number 6. Uh, I want you to see what God has to say about homosexuality. This is, this is how God sees the issue. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 9, the Bible says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? That's a, that's, a, that's a sobering thought. People that are not right with God are not going to heaven. That's what it's saying. Do not be deceived, and we are greatly being deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I just read that out of the New King James Version. I looked in five of the major translations as I prepared the sermon, and I noticed that the list was not all the same in each of them. So I may have read words that you don't have. You may have words I didn't read. Let me read that from the New Living Translation. Here's what the Bible says. Don't you know that those who do wrong will have no share in the kingdom of God? They're not going to heaven. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge... This is, that is, this is our lifestyle, one of sexual sin, who are idol worshipers, adulterers, male prostitutes. The old King James used the word effeminate. That's what it's talking about. Homosexuals, thieves, greedy people, drunkards, abusers, swindlers, none of these will have a share in the kingdom of God. There was a time when some of you were just like that, but now your sins have been washed away and you have been set apart for God. You have been made right with God because of what the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God has done for you. That's a beautiful translation of that. Now, I'm going back to the New King James and just kind of let it be my text as we journey along here. Now, this is what I call a bad news, good news scripture. And if you look again in verses, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, that's all bad news. People that live that lifestyle, listen carefully, God's word says are not going to heaven. They're not. But here's the good news, and the good news is in verse 11. Look at it. Paul was writing to the believers in Corinth who used to live that way. And he said, and such were some of you. See, some of them live this lifestyle. He said, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Well, now, as I look at that list, here's a good question. Why would God put in my heart to preach a sermon and isolate one sin? 
coming, if you read verses 9 and 10, there's a list of sins. There are many other sins that are in God's sight atrocious. Why would we isolate one of these sins when all of these sins break the heart of God? Well, that's a good question. In fact, during the week, in fact, during the past two weeks, I've had a good number of emails, and a few of them have asked that question. We want to know why you're going to isolate the sin of homosexuality. And then one went on to tell me how I should be isolating some other sin. And I, I wrote back and I said, well, I'd love to answer your question. You're going to have to come to church to hear the sermon, you know. You know, we live in, people want a little mini sermon on, on email, you know, like I'm, like I'm a preacher in a box, and you just send me an email, I send it back. Well, it is a good question, though, and I have an answer for that question, and it's a good answer, and here's what it is. Listen carefully. Because in our day, the government, not only the government, political parties, courts, politicians, presidents, Heroes in the athletic world, heroes that are actors, heroes that are actresses, all these heroes, it's just unbelievable in our day, are coming forth saying, hey, we're, they call it, we're coming out, we want people to know that this is the lifestyle we live, and, you know, we're not ashamed of it. It's, it what they're doing, they're normalizing homosexuality. Now, listen carefully. It's, it's kind of to the point that homosexuality is no longer classified as a sin. In our day and time, it's classified as an optional lifestyle. It's classified as a sexual preference. And, and here's, a, here's a problem. Boys and girls and students and the rest of us as well, but they're in the growing up years, they're going just to say, you know, I guess this is okay. Uh, you know, this person I've looked up to and they're homosexual and this person's saying, you know, I'm a lesbian and this person's saying I'm a gay and this person I'm bisexual and this person's transgender. and It just seems to be the okay thing. Now, folks, hear me today. This is not me. What I think is not important. It's what God says. God says it is a sin. And we need, to get, we need to understand that. And my, my encouragement is parents need to teach their children that this is a sin, this lifestyle. This lifestyle is a sin. And the end, unless that lifestyle changes, they will not go to heaven. And that's my burden, to think that there's this great number of people that think how they're living, their lifestyle's okay. When... When the end of time comes, they will not, based on the Word of God, go to heaven. It, it breaks my heart, and it should break my heart, and I trust it would break your heart. Now, other than parents teaching their children the truth of what God has to say about homosexuality, the only other institution possible is the church. The church is the only other institution. The government says it's okay. <laughs> the business world, they have no choice but to say it's okay. The laws have been passed. But the church that believes the Bible is the authoritative word of God needs to reinforce 
to the, what the parents are teaching and say, it, it's not okay, it is a sin. And, you know, the sad thing about that is, many of the churches today, <laughs> that's not what they're saying. Now, if you're a first-time visitor, listen very carefully. Some of you today have never been here before. Listen to what I'm going to say to you. I've been here 33, over 33 and a half years. John's been here about 28 years or something like that. From the pulpit of this church, there's never spoken a word of criticism about other churches. Do you hear what I'm saying? We don't criticize other churches. I don't criticize other preachers. That's not my business. If, if churches are not doing right, other preachers are not teaching it right, I'm not their Holy Spirit. God will deal with them. I'm never, ever, ever going to criticize another church. Now, listen carefully. Even though that be true, I'm going to speak truth. And truth is not meant to be critical. Truth is just truth. Can we agree on that? I mean, truth is truth. Okay. Here's, here's the sad thing. We talk about churches teaching truth. Some Methodist churches, Episcopalian churches, and some Presbyterian churches, they're just, they're ordaining lesbians. They're, they have uh, homosexual advocacy groups. In fact, the most recent, the very most recent would be the Methodist church. The Methodist church has literally split. Now, they can call it what they want. They have split by the droves. And the conservatives in the Methodist church, the United Methodist Church, the conservatives have withdrawn, and they have formed what they call the Global Methodist Church. Now, the Global Methodist Church is the conservative group. The Global Methodist Church is a group that says homosexuality is a sin. The United Methodist Church... <laughs> Well, that's what the headquarters says. The, I feel sorry for the pastors in some of those uh, really old and traditional and good Methodist churches. They're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. They don't really know what to do. But, but I, like I was in Sulphur Springs First Baptist three, three Sundays ago, three weeks ago today, I was preaching. Now, if you ever go to Sulphur Springs, it's a downtown square. Sulphur Springs is just an East Texas town. Most East Texas towns have a downtown square. In Sulphur Springs, over on this corner of the downtown square, sits First Baptist Church. That's right over here. Now, right over here on this corner of the square sits First United Methodist Church of Sulphur Springs. Now, I was there during the 80s. I was there during the 80s. Now, when I was there, I was there nine years. I was over here. My good friend Gaither Day pastored that church. We were, we were real friends. That church was almost as big as a Baptist church. I'm there three weeks ago today. This church today could, buy, could just about meet in my office. They could get everybody they've got left in my office because the Bible-believing conservative people in that church, in that East Texas town, they've gone over and just started them another church and they're part of this new global deal. And this is just happening all over. And so, you, you know, at least you've got one group teaching what the Bible says. You've got the other group that they said, well, we, you know, we've got to be tolerant of all people. Uh, it, uh, they're calling it open lifestyle. They call it sexual preference. I'll tell you what God calls it. God calls it a sin. 
And people that live that lifestyle need to understand that is what the deal is. Uh, you know, the idea, I hear this said, you know, pastor, what you need to do, they're talking to me, <laughs> you, need, you need to understand this is being progressive. Now listen, no, it's not being progressive, it's being regressive. Like, go back to Genesis 19, Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> That's a long time ago. Homosexuality was rampant. The first 14 of the 15 Roman emperors practiced homosexuality. So this is not new. This is not a new thing. It just goes by new names. It goes by new ways of saying it. It looks soft. It looks smooth. It just looks like the okay thing to do. And we need to go back and see what God has to say about it. And it's very, very different. You know, this whole idea that, uh, that this is leading us in the direction we need to go is, is, not, is not the deal. Now, what is new is we now parade homosexuality. It, used, it was always been there. We just hid it. It's in the closet. That's what they mean when they say we're coming out. They're coming out of the closet and they open out. It's okay. Well, that's not what God says. And God says if people live that lifestyle, when they die, they'll not go to heaven. That should burden you. That should burden me. That should burden every Christian. Every month in June, right here in Houston, a whole month, we celebrate that lifestyle. But it's not just Houston, it's all over America. It's not only in America, it's beyond America. We celebrate living in sin because they've made, made to believe that it's okay, it's a normal thing to do. Now here's, here's a real question, and here's what I've wrestled with about this sermon. How should you and I as Christians respond to homosexuality? How should we respond to homosexuals, okay? We're around them more than we might realize, and then now we're around them when we do realize. Like, how do we deal with this? I've had numbers of emails in the last two weeks knowing I was going to deal with this today, saying, I'm in this situation at my work. I'm in this situation with some friends, and I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know what I should do. How should we handle this? All right, let me deal with it in one of two ways. Now, here's the deal. I don't know this, but some in this room listening to me right now may be homosexual, okay? Now, here's my encouragement to you. You don't have to stay that way. That's what Paul was saying to these believers in Corinth. Such were some of you. I'm saying to you, if you are living this lifestyle, you need to ask God to forgive you. You, you need to ask God to come into your heart, tell him you repent of that lifestyle, ask Jesus to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and then ask God. Now see, when you do that, you'll have the Holy Spirit living in you. And he will give you the strength and the power to break this bondage that you've been. Here's what I've learned as I've studied about homosexuality. Listen carefully. The sex drive for homosexuals is about 15 times stronger than the sexual drive for heterosexuals. And so those who are caught in this lifestyle, I mean, to get out of that lifestyle 
is more than they probably can do on their own. But if they'll trust Jesus, ask the Holy Spirit to come live within them, they will have a power in them to help them do that. You're in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Turn over in chapter 10. I'll get you to mark a verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. The Bible says, No temptation is overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with a temptation will also make a way of escape. So I'm saying to you, with God living in you, ask God to help you. And it may not be an instant thing, but God will free you of that bondage and set you free. And it'll be one of the greatest things you'll ever done. And then one day, you'll be with God in heaven. Now, I'll give you an opportunity in a moment, along with others, to pray that. But number two, most of us this room, most of us are not homosexuals in the room. But how do we as Christians deal with homosexuality? How do we deal with people that are? What do we do? What do we say? How do we react? I've been struggling with the answer to that for over a month. I've worked on this sermon over a month. I've worked on this sermon probably more than I've ever worked on 10 sermons combined because I've, I want to guard against saying anything wrong. I want to say it right, clear, and, and not offend people, but yet tell people the truth. I've struggled with that. Let me tell you what happened. Uh, Wednesday, I received an email from Dr. Jim Hastings, we used to call him Dr. Jim, his wife's Kay. They joined our church back during COVID when we weren't even meeting. <laughs> John now preached an empty room. Well, people could still join the church online. They did. Uh, Dr. Jim, for many years, was a minister at Sagemont Church. And he and Kay came here and joined our church, teaches a Sunday school class. He's been a minister a long time. He understands what we preachers go through. He's just been a real blessing to me. He prays for me. Uh, hardly a week goes by, I don't get a little email. I'm praying for you about this, that, and yonder. If Dottie and I are going through something that we need help, he prays about that. He's just good. When he sends me this email, and I read this email, he said, I know you're dealing with a tough subject Sunday. I'm going to be praying for you. I have been all week. Then, at the end of his text, it was a text, not an email. At the end of his text, he says two things that I thought, that's my answer. That's what I've been looking for. Now, I text Dr. Jim back and said, Dr. Jim, I want to use the last part of your text in my sermon. Do I have your permission? And he texts me back soon, yes. Let me say this. I would never share anything public that had been said to me privately, whether it be a text or verbally, without permission. So he gave me permission. Now listen to what he said to me at the end of this text. Remember what I'm looking for. I'm looking for how do I say to the people, how do we respond to homosexuals? How do we deal with this? Here's what Dr. Jim said. Quote, our job is to love people to Jesus and he will change hearts. I thought, now I like that. I preach that. I say that a lot. Maybe not that well, but I say it meaning that. But then 
Dr. Jim went on to say, this was a part that made me want to shout hallelujah when I read this. He said, and I quote, the Lord put us on the invitation committee. I thought, man, that's what Jesus said in Matthew 28. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. You and I are on the invitation committee. So what's, what's this thing saying? How do we respond? <laughs> we love people to Jesus, whatever their sin problem might be. Could I have an amen to that? Are you just going to go around? Are we just going to go around loving Christians? Well, I'll tell you what, if, if that's all we're going to do, we're not going to live a very happy life because there's some cantankerous folks that are Christians. You know, there are a lot of sweet folks that aren't Christians. Can I have an amen to that? Yeah. I mean, there are rascals everywhere out there. But our job is to do what? Our job is to love people to Jesus. And Jesus will change their hearts. Now, I want to give you a Bible verse. Just jot the, just jot the verse down. In the verse, there's a little phrase that needs to be front center our brain every day. It's in Ephesians. It's chapter number 4, and it's verse 15. Right, just Ephesians 4, 15. Read it later. And here's a little phrase you're looking for. When you find it, underline it. Later, get your highlighter and highlight it. Then memorize it, and then here's the deal. Do it. And here's what it says. Speak the truth in love. That's how you do it. You speak the truth in love. Like, you know, if you went to a homosexual or you're having a conversation, that comes up and somebody, and you say, well, I guess you know. Living like you're living, when you die, you're going to hell and you're just going to burn forever and it's going to be terrible. Well, now let me tell you something. That is the truth. If people are not born again, they are not going to heaven. Well, the only other place to go is hell. But that sure isn't speaking the truth in much love, is it? No. Look, we're not their Holy Spirit. What we need to do is speak the truth, but we need to speak the truth in love, love people to Jesus and let him change your heart. Now, I've had several emails this week telling me specific issues, situations people are in. Like at the workplace, this is going on. Uh, I have some friends, and this is what's happening. And I don't know how to react to all that stuff. Okay, now listen. I'm going to give you the principle. Now, God gave you a brain. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. So ask God for wisdom for your specific situation. I mean, I, there's so many different situations. There's no way I could deal with all that in just a little sermon time. But I can give you the principle. And the principle is love people to Jesus. The principle is let Jesus change their heart. The principle is speak truth in love. You know, you, you can always speak the truth. If, if it's a situation, you can say, you know, I want you to know something. I love you. I, I want to remain your friend. I hope you remain my friend. But on this issue, like we just don't agree, and I wouldn't feel like I would be comfortable, wouldn't be doing right on a thing like that. Most people that are reasonable will buy into that. Let me say this. I would hope if they want to come here and worship, I would give anything if homosexuals would come here and just worship 
and hear the Word of God preached. Now, if they just want to come here and create chaos, that's another thing. But let it be known, homosexuals are welcome to worship God at First Baptist Church. Can I have an amen to that? Yeah. Look, for all I know, some are here that are. But I don't ever want folks to think that that they are not welcome to come hear the Word of God preached. Now, if they want to be a part of our church, they're going to have to depart from that lifestyle. I mean, non-believers can't be part of, of any evangelical Bible-believing church that I know. But that's not our issue. My issue, where I live and where you live, is just love people to Jesus, speak the truth in love, and let God's Holy Spirit change the hearts. Now, I want you to bow with me this morning. Every head bowed. These are sacred moments. I have no idea. But if you are this morning in this room or you're watching, and this is your lifestyle, I want to encourage you this morning to ask God to forgive you of the lifestyle you're living. I'm talking to people that are homosexuals right now. Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to forgive you of your sins. Come into your heart. Make you a Christian. You'll be born again. And then ask God to help you, to help you, the Holy Spirit to help you out of that bondage that it can be said of you as Paul said of those believers in Corinth. But such were some of you. That can be true for you today. I pray that. Now for those of us in the room We're not homosexuals. What we struggle with, we struggle with how do we deal with homosexuals? Well, I've given you principles today. Love people to Jesus. I mean, we can't expect non-believers to live like believers. The sad thing is many believers don't live like believers. There's not going to be any non-believers live like a believer because they don't have the Holy Spirit in them to live that way. That's not to say they can't be decent, good, and moral, but they won't have what they could have and be what they could be without the Holy Spirit living in them. Ask God to give you this morning the wisdom. Remember the principles. Speak truth in love. We're on the invitation committee. Love people to Jesus. Let him change their heart. Ask God to help you do that. You'll need his wisdom. You'll need courage. You'll need tact. You'll need to guard how you do it, how you say it. Ask God to help you in all that. Now, while we're praying that, for those today that are in the room, you say, well, you know, my need is not to be free from homosexuality. My need is to know for sure that when I die, I'm going to heaven. Well, that's a great feeling. I'm Listen to me. If you cannot say, if I die this week, I know I'll go to heaven. If you can't say that, You need to ask God this morning to help you settle that. Maybe you say, you know, I I almost believe that, but I'm just not 100% sure. Pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm asking you right now 
forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Make me a Christian. I trust you to save me. I thank you. I've settled my eternity today. And I pray it in Jesus' name.